It's a big hockey weekend in Lake Placid. Semifinals and finals for the World University Games for both men and women. Also, tons of other events as the games wrap up. We have a special musical ice storm memory also coming up, so let's squeeze it all in on today's story of the day. Support for Story of the Day is provided by Long Run Wealth Advisors, an independent SEC-registered investment advisor in Lake Placid, offering tailored wealth management and retirement solutions. LongRunWealth.com Hey, I'm David Summerstein. It's Friday, January 20th. First up, the Adirondack Diversity Initiative has selected a new director. Tiffany Ray Fisher currently serves as director of the Lake Placid School of Dance and artistic director at a dance company that offers educational programs in Harlem and in Lake Placid. She lives in both Harlem and Saranac Lake. Ray Fisher will start as the head of the diversity initiative on a part-time basis on February 1st before moving to full-time in March. The World University Games wrap up in the North Country this weekend. There are medal events in Saranac Lake, Lake Placid, Wilmington, and North Creek. Emily Russell has the details. More than 1,400 athletes from around the world have been competing across the North Country for more than a week. Gore Mountain in North Creek has hosted all the snowboarding and freestyle skiing. There are medal events at Gore through the weekend. On Friday and Saturday, you can catch medal races for men's and women's slalom skiing at Whiteface Mountain in Wilmington. In Saranac Lake, the gold medal matches for curling will happen at the Civic Center. But it's really Lake Placid that's going to see the most action through this weekend. There's biathlon and cross-country skiing at Mount Van Hovenberg and speed skating at the Olympic Oval. This weekend is also when all the hockey games move to the Olympic Arena in Lake Placid. The women's gold medal game is on Saturday. The men's is on Sunday at 5 p.m. It's been a really popular one for ticket sales. And tickets to that game include the closing ceremony, which will take place directly after the game. Emily Russell, North Country Public Radio. One of the most anticipated matchups of the World University Games was the face-off between the U.S. and Canadian women's hockey teams. That game was on Wednesday night in Potsdam with a sold-out crowd at Maxi Arena. Lucy Grindon was on the scene and has our story. The U.S. and Canada have one of the fiercest rivalries in hockey, and you could really feel that in the crowd on Wednesday. This is probably the most exciting game so far, and it's Canada and the U.S., of course. That's Tony Vavra, one of the game's local volunteers. Why did you decide to volunteer for the game? How many times can you do this? It only comes here once in, you know, in Potsdam, once in a lifetime, so why not? Every seat in the arena is taken, and another hundred or so people are standing so they can watch. But Vavra has the best spot in the house. He's in charge of opening the door that lets players on and off the ice for breaks, so he stands right on the perimeter of the rink, his nose almost touching the plexiglass. Players collide with the boards just inches in front of his face. Vavra's used to that intensity, though. He's a big hockey fan. There's a lot more hitting in the men's. Um, and other than that, they're a lot alike, just in the way they play. It seems clear to me that the men's game and the women's game are both pretty dangerous. One U.S. player is standing off the ice in a big navy blue coat. She pounds on the glass with one hand and shouts encouragements at her teammates. 
Her other arm is in a sling, with a white cast on it. She's completely glued to the game, so I can't ask her what happened. But her mom happens to be sitting directly across the arena. She actually has a broken arm. She took a black shot, so she hasn't been playing, unfortunately, but we're here supporting the whole team. What's her name? Her name is Savannah Popik. And what's your name? Mary Popik. It's very exciting to have them be playing in this tournament and to have them be playing against Team Canada. This is a very good game. Their countries have always been rivals for many, many years, so it's a very, very good game. The U.S. has to win this game to stay in the tournament, and Canada has already scored twice. Finally, Team USA gets a shot past Canada's goalkeeper. But the clock is ticking down towards zero, and they can't seem to score again. I don't really know much about hockey, so when there are just nine seconds left, I ask Ben Marples for some help. He plays for the UK men's team. Can you tell me what's going to happen in the next nine seconds? Uh, well, they're going to go six on four, and they're going to try and get a goal, probably just throw as many people as they can to the net, uh, just try and get the puck at the net. Is there like a penalty of some some kind happening, or do they just resume normal play? Uh, yeah, I think they've just called a tripping penalty on the Canadians, so they're going to be down a guy for the last little bit. The clock starts up again. The players zoom back towards Canada's net. They even get a shot off. I think this is probably the best game I've watched so far, definitely. But when the last buzzer sounds, Canada wins, 2-1. Team USA is knocked out of the tournament. Canada will move forward, progressing towards the finals in Lake Placid this weekend. Lucy Grindon, North Country Public Radio. Tonight in Lake Placid, the Czech Republic plays Japan in the women's semifinal. The women's gold medal hockey game is tomorrow night at 8 at the 1980 rink in Lake Placid. Another ice storm story to close today. It's the 25th anniversary of that devastating and life-changing event for so many in the North Country. I spoke with a Canton woman who wrote a blues tune about the experience. And here's that story. As days stretched into weeks and the power was still off in many places and the bitter cold wouldn't budge, people living through the 1998 ice storm settled into a sort of routine. People would race around all day long to try to find enough firewood if they were fortunate enough to have a wood stove or where to go to stay warm. There was, there was a lot of busy stuff to do until it turned dark. Carol Musser-Rose ran a framing shop and lived on Canton's Main Street. The current price chopper, which I think was the PNC back then, would take people in with a flashlight to get their groceries. Their cash registers, I don't think they worked. Rose says this routine kind of became soothing amidst the ongoing disaster. It's kind of fun having to gather stuff all day long. One night, Rose was listening to North Country Public Radio, as so many people were, to get the latest emergency information. And a psychologist was on the air. She spoke about this post-storm syndrome. A letdown when the power went on and everything returned to normal. So I was thinking about it. Well, I think I like it the way it is. So I just decided to sit down in my 40-degree house with my guitar and write about the post-storm blues. Got the post-storm blues, ain't got a thing to do. Don't need my fire stove no more, no sir. My electric meter's cranking me. I'm thanking all the guys that trim my trees. They got my wires free. I'm hot as I can be now. I'm a mama with a post-storm blues. I First, I gathered my two bandmates over, uh, David Brown and Bob Griswold. 
And uh, I said, you got to come over, you got to come over, we got to get the song together, and we got to get up to North Country Public Radio because they should play the song right now because everyone knows what it feels like right now. We got to hurry up and practice this. So they came over, and we're all sitting there, and it was cold, you know, and your fingers are trying to work. I was much happier when things were so much worse, when there were no lights and no heat. I was content dodging the policeman to fill my kerosene can. I was happy as a victim could be. I lost 10 pounds going to my woodshed underground and staying warm by jumping up and down. A couple weeks later, when the storm was over and things did go back to normal, Ellen Rocco, then host of NCPR's The Blue Note, invited Carol Rose and her band to play the post-storm blues live on the radio. Maybe there was some budding nostalgia for the ice storm, but I bet everyone was happy to have the power back on. Firewood. David Sommerstein, North Country Public Radio. Don't forget the jugs of water. Remember the jugs of water, too. (laughs) (laughs) Hey! It's a crowd in the background applauding. This is, you're listening, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Carol Ann and the Rock Salt Blues Band here on North Country Public Radio on the Blue Note. Let it's me, me again, back in story. The Dayland. Love hearing the 1998 version of our longtime general manager, Ellen Rocco, there at the end. So cool. That was rescued from cassette tape, believe it or not. We have more news all the time and through the weekend on our website, ncpr.org. Music today by I Am Snow Angel of Lake Placid and Eric Pasternak of Bloomingdale. Have a super weekend. I'm David Summerstein, North Country Public Radio.